0: With less than 24 hours left before the 2020 United States elections, Real Talk with Theo Korlev gives you a behind-the-scenes listen to a Zoom call between two young political enthusiasts, Joe and Luke, as they discuss the following questions about this presidential campaign. Please note that this was recorded on July 3rd and that things might have changed since then. We did this so that all you listeners could exactly see how four months in the world of politics could alter each candidate's chances in being the new president of the United States. Our goal here on Real Talk was to create an atmosphere where people have the freedom to express themselves and their knowledge to the world. Therefore, we kindly ask all listeners to enjoy the show and listen in a positive light. We understand that not all would agree to all the statements that you're about to hear. However, we ask for the protection of this wonderful panel that if you have any questions or concerns, you should reach out to Real Talk with Theo Korlev on our website and we will address them as soon as possible. Politics is a very sensitive topic nowadays in America, but we hope you get to enjoy your listen and potentially learn something new because that is exactly what this show is about. Now, sit back, relax, and make sure you vote tomorrow. Theo say
1: woo Theo Brovsky, when we get spasticated, we chat shit. That's what I want
0: in this country. Okay, guys. So the first question we have for you for the 2020 presidential election Socratic debate is, what factors in each presidential campaign are worth looking at? What differences could make or break each candidate? Could choosing the right or wrong running may be the biggest decision of each party? If possible, please state the main factors of 2020 elections in your eyes.
2: Okay, um, I guess I'll, I'll kind of start. Um, I think when we're talking about this, it's going to be kind of important to kind of look at where we are just in terms of the landscape of the race first. Um, right now, I think the 538 um, uh, polling averages has Biden up by like 9.5 points nationally. And like, obviously national polls don't make that much of a difference because it's 50 different statewide elections beside the presidency, but he's looking good in all the swing States. Like, and all this, the states that he lost that um, Clinton couldn't carry, like Pennsylvania, he's up. He's up by a lot in Michigan. He's up in Wisconsin, and he's even up in places like uh, Arizona, the places that weren't even on the board in 2016. And and you're, we're hearing that North Carolina, Texas, Georgia, these places are now competitive, and they're they're in play for the Biden camp, and that's going to have Trump spend resources in in those states as well so it's going to maybe try to spread them a little bit thin um so just just kind of right now as we sit on june 3rd or june 2nd or whatever today is june 3rd july 3rd july july 3rd july 3rd exactly (laughs) um yeah but we're actually today's a great day to be recording this because we're four months exactly four months away from the election um the elections Mm in in november and like we're we're a third of the, the year away and um, so, yeah, right now Biden's looking really good because you got as this kind of main factors of 2020. I think coronavirus is obviously going to play the biggest factor. I think Joe, you would agree with this. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, coronavirus and 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 also the the um, uh, economic impacts of coronavirus too. People are out of work. Real unemployment, people are saying, are around 20. percent I think uh, they had 4.8 million new jobs were added this this last, um, month in June. And, uh, so that, so the department of labor, I think had their employment rate tick down a little bit, so that might help Trump. And, um, so it kind of just shows like how kind of fluid this all could be just with new information. And a lot of, I think maybe the main factor of the race and what could make or break anything is how the perception of Trump's handling the coronavirus is on election day, how people think he handled it, how, if coronavirus cases are still going up in, in the fall, and which many experts think they will, because that's like when flu season comes in, and that's when the people are getting sick most of the time, and uh, that, that, I could not see that being good for Trump at all, and that, that's probably pretty agreeable for Joe, and um, I think Biden would, that's, that's the race, just purely from a political electoral stance, that's the race Biden wants. Um, he wants uh, as much kind of uncertainty and doubt about Trump's handling of coronavirus and the economy as possible. And that, that will help, that will help him. And,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, j- just if um, I- I'm going to jump in, there, there were a couple of things that you said that um, I think really hit the mark. There was a, study i don't think it was done recently i think it was done like several years ago not specifically analyzing not not specifically done for like this circumstance but um first of all the it concluded that the economy tends to be the biggest indicator when it comes to how people you know how people decide to vote because the economy produces jobs the economy produces revenue it's basically the main indicator of good or bad quality of life the health of the economy and um this study concluded also that the second quarter of the economy tends to be the most important when it comes to the result of the election and we we don't have second quarter data yet i don't believe i think it's going to come out end of july but looking at what's happening right now looking at the massive closure i can't imagine that gdp is going to recover at all I can't imagine that GDP is even going to be rising. If there's going to be any growth, I think we're going to see serious shrinking of the U.S. economy because second quarter is March to June. That's when we saw tons of closures. That's when we saw tons of small businesses going out of business, and tons of people losing their jobs because of the economic difficulty. So I think GDP is going to shrink by huge margins in the second quarter, and we're going to see people respond to that when they, um, you know, when they go to vote, when they go to cast their vote, hopefully against Trump. And uh, more importantly, I think, regardless of how the president is faring, a lot of people, you know, just objectively vote on how they feel. They vote on their, their quality of life, the uncertainty in the United States in general. Uh, and, and it, it may not be any fault of the presidents, but if they feel like they're in danger going to grocery stores as they are right now, if they feel like they're in danger, if they feel like their uh, the status of their job, their job security is constantly under question, obviously voters are really unhappy and that translates when they go to the polls and that translates when they consider whether or not to give the current sitting president a second term.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think an important kind of thing to extrapolate from that is that voters, um, well, a few things. One, I think to go to an earlier point is on your the economy, is like the economy, every election is like the number one issue, everybody, no matter, good, good economy, bad economy, the economy is normally what decides elections. But also I think uniquely to Trump, he's uniquely tied to the economy because he was running on, I'm a businessman, I can fix everything. I know how the world of econ works. I know how to make, I've been built these big businesses and I've been successful and I'll do the same for the, for the country. And I think you kind of saw, even if his approval ratings didn't like weren't inflated. Um, I think a lot of people accepted that he was president because the economy was doing well before COVID. And yeah. so um and, and a lot of pundits were saying he was winning in the, the, the election in 2020. People say the Democratic primaries were just kind of formality because nobody's going to beat Trump if the economy keeps rolling on like it was. And like there there could, there's obviously many different metrics to how, how well an economy is doing. But the stock market before COVID was way up under Trump. And, um, you know, that could interest rates and all that factors into that and, uh, there's not really commentary on how how we got there but the perception was that there was a very great strong economy and um coronavirus kind of took that all the way took the, all the wind out of his sails there and like trump's got to be looking around asking like what he could run on at this point like i i haven't yet to see see a clear um campaign message from the trump camp and why he wants a second term he he's trying to say like oh. We're having x y z percent increases in 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 like retail i think and stock market, but people are still out of work, large numbers of people are still out of work a lot of people know people who are out of work, and coronavirus cases are still skyrocketing and those those are really the three things that people are going to vote on i I don't think the the uh the president really has a message for this time, at least not yet he's kind of all over the place he's trying to he's trying to make statues like the the protesters taking down statues he's trying to talk about that more i've noticed on twitter he's trying to like kind of like take up these like kind of cultural issues and social issues and trying to fire up his base and get his his guys behind him that way but i i don't think that culture issues really win or lose you an election i think if anything he's losing supporters by by saying this because he's not focused on the economy and it shows that he, he, his mind's elsewhere while, while people desperately want him to be, uh, handling this, this coronavirus situation well. And I think that's, we've seen that reflected in the polls that, that mm-hmm. people, the perception is that he just kind of isn't trying to help as much as he can. And yeah. whereas Biden might be seen as like more of an elder statesman, more of a leader, more of experience and for handling crises and that that's kind of what you want. That's kind of what the Biden campaign wants. And, um, yeah, I, I, it's, um, it, it, it's really not, not looking good for Trump unless if he could. obviously four months is a eternity in politics. Yeah. But, um, anything could happen. Trump could end up winning in a landslide if a few crazy things happen but right now, the Biden camps running the campaign that they want. I think they're making speeches on the coronavirus, but they're also kind of keeping more of a low profile because Biden, throughout his whole career, people always say Biden's like this, this like he's losing his mind or he's going to see now and all that. That's that's a, that's a narrative that Trump's trying to play up, and um, the Democrats are kind of denying that narrative by by keeping him on message um looking presidential making speeches in front of american flags and then not really taking any questions from media afterwards not really making him think about anything on his feet or anything and and because again throughout his whole career he's been a gaffe machine i i am not i'm not going to comment on his mental state but his his whole career has been marred by gaffes
1: yeah and um i think first of all barring anything like unprecedented in American history as far as elections go I think Trump is going to lose. Yeah. I I have been trying to rack my brain over these past few days about like sitting as a re- Republican political strategist what message could you give to Trump to make him win? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a single one. Like I it, I think the best thing he can try to do is law and order, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to yell about um you know how these liberals are destroying America and they want anarchy and pointing at like Seattle and talking about how, oh, that's so insane. Mm -hmm. And and not to say that it is actually insane and not to comment on that, but just in those shoes as a Republican political strategist, I think if he tries to play to the emotions as much as possible, I think it's a bad bet, but I think it's his best bet of saying like liberals are tearing down the country and we need like someone who's hard right like me to counter them right but you know the fact of the matter is as you pointed out um when he does that he's ignoring our economic distress he's ignoring the coronavirus he's uh you know ignoring foreign policy tensions that are going on right now uh and all he really does is he continues you know yelling about an issue that at this point is kind of it's it's not old news whatsoever, but it's something he's been yelling about for three to four weeks. So it's his best bet, but it still seems really, really bad because it seems like he's not keeping up with the times and not really caring about what's affecting 99.9% of Americans right now.
2: Yeah, it almost seems like he's kind of fighting the last war in a way. Like he's kind of still, still in 2016. He's still running the 2016 campaign and he never really stopped. I mean, it was unprecedented for him because it was like, Either the same day he was inaugurated, or within like a week of his inauguration, he filed official paperwork to run for re-election. And like Obama, like filed for re-election in like twenty eleven for his twenty twelve race, and Trump filed for re-election in like twenty seventeen for his twenty twenty race. And it was it was was highly unprecedented. And he never stopped the rallies. He never he never he never slowed down his twenty sixteen campaign. And I think we're kind of starting to see some consequences of that. But also, um, I'd push back against the law and order message. I think that that might end up being a good message for him to be like on his side. But I think the best thing he could do, at least politically is he's got to turn populist is if the the way to save Trump right now would be to go lean into stimulus checks would mm-hmm. be to um, lean into populist economics and say like, because voters overwhelmingly trust Donald Trump on the economy. And um, that's the one area where even polling done as recently as like, Last week, two weeks ago, say that voters, even with the economy where it is, still trust Donald Trump to handle the economy more than Joe Biden. So, if um, Donald Trump turns and goes populist and starts to hammer away at like these, giving people money, and really looks like he's trying to do all he can to alleviate the the down the downfalls of um, the economy with coronavirus, I, I think that that's a winning message for him. And uh, I, I'm not sure if he's going to do that. I think he's running out of time to do that too, because he's got to pass, he's got to actually get legislation legislation done, and legislation, of course, takes time, and it he he's running out of time at this point. And I, I would agree with Joe. I don't think I've seen that. There's been no presidential candidate that's been in a worse position polling wise than Donald Trump since Mondale in '84 at this time and the election and that's just obviously unsustainable and um yeah I, it it it's trump would have trump's gonna have to change his ways because the world has changed in a way that he's not responding to at the moment
1: yeah um and i i, I would push back a little against the populist idea just because i think um First of all, I think that he could very much uh, like intermingle the populist notion and the law and order notion. Very Mm. much appeal to that a section of the public that's struggling with the coronavirus pandemic and struggling with job loss, but also like quote unquote afraid of these quote unquote rowdy protesters who are like toppling you know our security and toppling stability and et cetera, et cetera. And I think he could hammer on both both points at the same time. But I really think that he almost kind of did try a populist narrative in 2016. Like mm-hmm. throughout the Rust Belt, he was constantly no, screaming true. about, yeah, throughout the Rust Belt, he, he needs the Rust Belt, clearly. Yeah. And throughout the Rust Belt, he was constantly screaming about how, you know, the Democrats want to take away your coal mining jobs. They want to take away your, uh, you know, your blue collar labor that you work so hard on and they want to take it away and you're going to be unemployed. And he has done absolutely nothing for them. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of them are worse off than they were when he ran, or not better off whatsoever. He's done nothing to bail them out like he promised. So I think, to an extent, his appeal to those kinds of blue-collar workers, if he kept on yelling about how, you know, he's supporting the stimulus checks, he's supporting the average American, the blue-collar worker who just wants to keep his job in in the face of so many troubles, I think it would again seem like
0: an old, failed narrative that he's tried mm-hmm. running on in the past.
2: Yeah. And really quickly. Uh, That's
0: unfortunately time, but I'll give you the last remark, Luke. Go ahead. Um,
2: just going to the vice president, would Biden choose? Oh, yes,
0: the definitely. Doesn't matter.
2: Um, honestly, I don't think it matters really who he picks. I think that um, there are certainly better and worse picks. I've been known to be a Susan Rice supporter. For, for vice president I think she she would just provide so much to the ticket she's smart she's experienced and um, she's just competent <laughs> and people like outwardly competent to the point where like it's undebatable and um, not a, not a ton of baggage but yeah I, I could go on I could go on to a lot of reasons why but yeah I, I but I don't think it matters a lot. Just from history, Paul Ryan couldn't help Um Mitt Romney win Wisconsin. Um, like, Sarah, like Sarah Palin was probably the most consequential VP pick, and it in a, it in a tanked um, yeah. McCain. And I think if if it's going to go one way or the other, a VP pick would be more likely to tank one candidate than 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 win it for them.
0: Yeah,
1: there was that really good point in I think one of the articles you sent me at that um, you know before now. Where at the end it said that like picking a good VP isn't necessarily consequential in a positive way, but picking a bad VP can be really consequential in a negative way.
0: Perfect. Okay guys, well thank you so much for coming to the show. This was Luke and Joe. Thank you guys. My corn upon corn.